0: Welcome to the March or Die podcast today. Very glad to have you joining me wherever it is you happen to be joining from. And I will remind you as we get started today, if you are watching on YouTube, thank you for doing that. Make sure you're subscribed. There are some folks who go over there and they watch the videos on YouTube, which I really appreciate. But make sure you're subscribed and then hit that notification bell and then you will get the content as it comes out. Uh, I'm always putting content over there and I want to make sure that you have access to that. So subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you have a comment, please leave that in the comment section. Would love for you to also share that out that would be fantastic. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thank you for doing that. Go ahead and take some time wherever it is you are listening from, whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be, and make sure that you subscribe to this show again so that you are notified when new content uh, comes out, comes online for you, and I want to make sure that you get that as it comes out. Uh, I, I do my very best to make sure that a new episode uh, hits the platforms every Saturday morning, my time seven a.m. Western uh, time, Western time, Pacific Standard Time. I guess there's more west than California, but <laughs> Pacific Standard Time. And I uh, want to make sure that you get that as soon as it does, wherever it, it wherever it is you are listening from. So thank you for that. Uh, also, before we get into our content today, if you would like to know more about me or find more content from me, go to jeremystonlicker.com jeremystonlicker.com You can find my blog there. Of course, all of my uh, social links and contacts, everything is right there, Jeremystonlicker.com So check that out. That would be fantastic. This is the March or Die show. And if you listen to this show, you know that what I talk about on a weekly basis is how we can move forward forward in our lives, forward in our relationships, more broadly forward in uh, our families and culture, how we can move forward when it feels like our world is falling apart. How do we move forward when it feels like our world is falling apart? Uh, You could go back and listen to earlier episodes. Again, if you've listened to probably more than one other episode, you've heard me say this. There are really only two choices. When you feel like your world is falling apart, you really only have one of two decisions to make. Here they are. (laughs) Will you stay where you are, stuck? Will you die? Because again, death is not necessarily physical. It can be emotional or relational. It can be spiritual. Uh, Death, in this context, is saying, I just can't go on anymore. I'll accept my fate right where I am. That's death. We're not really living. We're not accomplishing anything. Will you do that? that That's a decision that you can make. Will you do that? Or will you march? Marching is simply putting one foot in front of the other, carrying on, going forward, moving beyond the obstacle or the difficulty or the trial or the trauma. This is when you just won't quit. I've said this in the past, and and I absolutely believe it, uh, that to me, perseverance, just continuing on, is almost a superpower. There may have been a day when that was not the case. I think um, people who were reluctant to push on, I was going to say lazy people, but not everyone who can't push on or doesn't push on is necessarily lazy, but uh, people who will quit, people who will stop, people who won't keep going. uh, I'm sure those kind of people have always been around. But we seem today to be inundated with, (laughs) surrounded by a culture that just says, hey, when things get too hard, I'm just going to stay where I am. I'm not going to persevere. And so in our culture and in our world at this moment in time, perseverance really continuing on, just not stopping, putting one foot in front of the other, it's almost a superpower. It changes the game. How many people have you known that were super talented, had every opportunity in the world, there were very few obstacles or real trials in their way, but something happened that prevented forward movement, and so, even, they ha- even though they had all of the potential one could want, they accomplished very little. We've all known people like that. On the other side of that, how many people have you known that <laughs> seem to have very little? Maybe they weren't super smart. Maybe they weren't super tal- talented. Maybe they didn't come from the best background necessarily, but they accomplished so much. And when you ask the question why, the only answer you can come up with is, well, because they just kept going. Just keep going. That's the purpose of this show is to talk about how to do that. And uh, we've interviewed a number of folks in the past, and we'll continue to uh, to do that, bringing on people who have experience with this that can help us out. But I want to talk today and really for the next several weeks about something that I think is, is missing in this conversation. When we look at our world, and I use that word world very broadly, we hear people say the world – I don't mean the globe, I mean maybe our culture, our country as Americans, maybe it's uh, our world being our family and our community, just the people very close to us, our workplace, the things we are directly involved in. When we consider our world and we consider the number of difficult things that can come up at some point in time in our world, we can be overwhelmed, so many difficult things. And yet... As we consider the roles that God has assigned in creation, we know that there are those that He has called to not only deal with hard things, but to lead the way for others. To me, this is very critical. This gets to the heart of why we have the March or Die conversation. I've said this again in the past. This whole thing, this continuing when you could quit, this not giving up when it would be easier just to stay where you are, it's not really about you. It's about those that have been placed in your life, those that need hope and those that need direction and those that need someone to follow. It's for them that you do the things that you do if you're doing it right. We're at this weird cultural moment where so much of the focus is on the individual. How does this affect me? How does that impact me? How will this make me feel? How hard will this be for me? Everything is about us. Is it any wonder then that so many among us give up? They quit. They stop moving forward because it's all about them. But when we realize that it's not all about me, we have the motivation then to do the hard work, to go forward, to accomplish great things. And as I look at our society, as I look at our culture, as I look at our families, our homes, our relationships, as I look at these areas that so often trial and tribulation and obstacles prevent forward movement, I am reminded once again that God and His creation established specific roles to keep His creation moving forward. The question I would ask today, and it's one that I want to unpack over the next several weeks the question is this Where are the men? Where are the men? Now, I don't mean by that question that there are no men, but I do mean that when I look at what's happening in our world, the decisions that are being made, the chaos that's finding its way into communities and into homes, the lack of direction and purpose, the the wandering of our children aimlessly with no real goal or understanding of what it is they're here to do. When I look at all of those things, I have to step back and ask the question where are the men? Now, if you're a lady listening, thank you for listening. This is not about men versus women. (laughs) This is about understanding our proper roles in the world as given to us by God. We could go all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created. We know all of the things that he created. He separated the light from the darkness and the land from the sea, and he created all that we see and all that we experience. He then made the animals and finally made man. Uh, This is not mankind, although from man, mankind would come. This is man, Adam, the first man, a male person. Adam was in the garden, he Had a relationship with God, the Bible tells us he took care of the garden, he named the animals, he had a relationship with them. This is something we can imagine but not fully understand. And yet, as he saw the relationships that the animals had with each other, he realized that he didn't have anyone for himself. He was alone. He was not an animal, he was separate from them, he was different. God had given him a role to care for the garden and care for the animals, and we'll see later as we go through the book of Genesis, to have dominion over the creation. The roles were different, but in that, Adam had no help, the Bible says, necessary or meat for himself. He didn't have a mate. From that, we see in Genesis chapter 2 that God took the rib out of Adam and from that rib created woman The human family, if you will, is expanding. In fact, it doubles with that one creation from one man to a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, a man and his wife. As the story develops and it develops quickly, we see Adam and Eve in the garden. We see that a trial comes into the garden in the form of a serpent who tempts Eve, the woman. He tempts Eve to violate what God had told them to do, and she does. She then goes to her husband Adam and explains to him what had transpired and encourages him to sin with her. Sin is simply rebelling against the Word of God, and she brings him into this sin. She tempts him, and he responds. God eventually comes to speak to them, as he had often, apparently, and it seems like he did every day. And as he came to talk to them, they started to shift the blame, and the woman blamed the serpent, and the man blamed the woman, and God blamed one person. Who did he blame? He held one person responsible, and that one person was Adam. Now, Eve would bear the consequence of her own sin, certainly the serpent would for tempting Eve, but the one who was responsible was Adam. He was the leader. He was the one who had been given a specific role by God and failed to fulfill that role. Now, check this out. The very first time we see temptation, the very first time we see a trial, the very first time we see even the concept of sin enter into the world, God's design and God's mechanism for dealing with that sin, that trial, that difficulty was that the man, the male, the man, as the head of the home that God had established between Adam and Eve, would do what he was created and called by God, his creator, to do. Now, please do not miss this. As we go all the way back to the garden, what we see is a picture, a perfect picture, and yet a microcosm, a perfect picture of what our relationships should look like, and yet a microcosm of the larger globe, the world, the culture that we exist in today. We see how it's supposed to function. Eve came along and she was the help necessary for Adam. She completed him. We could spend so much time talking about roles in marriage and, and all of those things, and that's not the point. The point is this. As we consider the God-given roles of a man and a woman, the role of the man is to protect, to defend, to stand for truth and against evil, to do the right thing as he is answerable to God. Adam failed to do that. And over the course of time and human history, we've seen again and again and again and again that when men fail to fulfill the role that they were given by their creator, the consequence to those around them is always devastating. So my question of where are the men is really a question of where are those who are willing to stand up and do the very thing that God created them to do. Ladies, if you're listening, I appreciate it. And I would simply say that we all have roles. Ladies have roles. Women have roles. Uh, Wives have roles. If you're in that relationship, we have different roles given to us by God. But the role of the man is to lead in society and lead uh, in culture and lead in their home. And for a woman to come alongside and to encourage that leadership and to help equip for that leadership. But there has to be someone who's willing to stand up and say, I will be what God created created me to be. The chaos in my home, the chaos in my community, the chaos around the country, the chaos in this world is because there are so few men willing to stand up and be what God created them to be. It is because of the abdication of God's roles in the lives of men that we see the issues that we see today, that we experience the things that we're experiencing today. You see, anytime there is an abdication of responsibility, an abdication of leadership, there is a vacuum. Uh, I was thinking about this, and man, one of the current illustrations of that concept or that principle is what's happened recently in Afghanistan. (laughs) 20 years of war, we could talk about whether we should have been there or shouldn't have been there, uh, whether... The reason we went there is a reason that continued for nearly 20 years of war. Uh, We could have that debate. But what we do know is that the presence of the United States and coalition forces brought stability to an extremely and historically unstable region. Uh, Certainly problems, but stability. Because someone decided, I don't know who that someone was, and I won't even pretend to know who that someone was, but because someone decided uh, that... We as a nation would immediately and completely abdicate our role of establishing stability in that region. Absolute chaos ensued. The United States, who had been fulfilling the role of leadership, left, and the consequences have been dire. Many Thousands of folks have lost their lives, a country that maintained stability for so long, completely flipped upside down into chaos. You see, whenever leadership is abdicated, a vacuum is created, and that vacuum is filled with brokenness and chaos and confusion and hurt. That's one example. It's very real. We can see it, but bring that to your own relationships. Look at your family. Look beyond that. Men, here's what I'm saying. You are either the one who leads forward or the one who becomes the problem. I understand that's not popular. I realize there are a thousand different things that can happen in relationships and difficulties uh, throughout our lives. I get that. But I know that if the march or die principle, that of pushing forward when it would be easier to stay where you are and die, that if meaningful forward movement will ever take place in your relationships, in your families, in your communities, it's because you as men are willing to stand up and do the hard work of being men. The question I ask, where are the men, is not one that is unique to me. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22 and verse 30, uh, God is speaking through a prophet to a prophet about what's happening in the nation of Israel, Uh, and he says this, we have these words recorded, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I sought for a man, God said, among them. Israel, there are a lot of problems, and the whole list of problems is outlined in chapter 22 of Ezekiel. It's all there. (laughs) All these problems, all these issues, much rebellion against the holy God. God announces his judgment against the nation of Israel, but he stops in verse 30 and says, you know what, let me just look and see if there's anyone here a man who is willing to stand up and do the right thing and lead forward. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. It doesn't have to be bad. We can find a way. There can be forward movement, God said, but I found none. I wonder in your home, if God were to maybe make the same statement, what his conclusion would be. There's a lot of chaos in that home. There are some consequences that will come as a result of sin. But before anything, let me look among them and see if there's a man who will make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me. I wonder what God would say. I looked, but I didn't find anyone. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and verse 13, the Apostle Paul is speaking. He makes this statement to the church. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. He says, stand up, be men. Again, none of this is to say that women are unimportant. And throughout Scripture, we see women standing up. I was reminded of the prophetess, the judge, De- Deborah. Deborah was one who led the nation of Israel to military victory through a military leader but she was the one who orchestrated and led because there wasn't a man who would do it this judge deborah was a woman who illustrates for us the absolute value and importance that god places on women we see this again and again throughout scripture through the old testament so many women that stood up and did the hard thing and did the right thing i think of others like ruth i think of esther incredible stories in the Old Testament, so many wonderful stories. We go to the New Testament and we think of so many wonderful women outlined in the New Testament. As the Apostle Paul ministered in churches, he talked about women that ministered to him and did the hard things and did the difficult things and led in amazing ways. But we understand the order that God has established and when the Bible says in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30 that I thought uh, I sought for a man. It's not mankind or a human. He means a man. Someone that I gave the responsibility to. When the Apostle Paul is talking to the church and says, hey, you need to stand up and be men make yourselves strong like men he's speaking to men first peter chapter 5 and verse 8 we're told why this needs to happen be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Peter gives us uh, kind of the other part of what Paul is talking about. Why do we need to be steadfast? Why do we need to stand in our faith? Why do we need to be strong as men? Well, because there's a very real enemy who seeks to destroy us. Men, the buck needs to stop somewhere. And I would submit from Scripture that it needs to stop with you. We can point to all of the problems and all of the problem people and all of the issues, and I get all of that. But if there will ever be forward movement, if you'll ever be able to march, it will be because you take your God-given role and your God-given responsibilities seriously. I'll come back to this over the next several weeks, but I want to give some thoughts as we conclude on this question. What is a man? What is a man? We so often, I think, misunderstand this when we talk about being men and being strong and all of these things that we talk about. We think about masculinity in one form or another. (laughs) It's long beards and big muscles and being loud and maybe it's that, maybe it's something else, whatever it is your conception of manhood is. Uh, We teach often in our Mighty Oaks programs that one of the reasons there are so few men (laughs) in our society leading is because the entire concept of manhood is abstract. We can't define it. We don't understand it. When I look around and ask the question, where are the men? I think that often there's a lack of manhood because we don't know what it is to be a man. There's a lack of leadership because men don't know what it is to be a man. I want to give you three thoughts. We could spend a lot of time talking about this, but what is a man? I think a man, first of all, is someone who is clear on their identity. Clear On their identity. Now, if you are not a Christian and you're listening to this podcast, again, thank you for listening. I'm grateful that you would and that you do. I do, however, believe that if you are going to truly fulfill the role that God has given to you as a man, you need to be a person who has a relationship with God the Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because that's where real identity comes. It is from knowing who you are in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, when the Bible says about being in Christ, it means that you have understood your need of a Savior, that you are sinful, that you are living a life of rebellion before a holy God. That his standard of holiness is one that you could never attain on your own. That God, realizing that, sent his perfect, sinless son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in your place, to pay the price for your sin. That Jesus was then buried, but because he is God, he rose again of his own power. Three days later, significant because so many things happened. One, the fulfillment of prophecies. But perhaps more importantly, that in the rising from the dead, he conquered death, he defeated it, and he conquered sin. To be in Christ means that we understand who we are, we recognize who He is, and we put our faith, our hope, our confidence in Him, Jesus, the Son of God, for the forgiveness of our sins and an eternal relationship with the Father God. That is to be in Christ. And the Bible there in 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Old things are passed away, all things are become new. Our identity is with Him. We are His creation. It doesn't mean we lose ourselves or any of the silly things that people like to say. Our personality may not change. We have so many characteristics about who we are as individuals. Those things remain. God uses those things, and I'm thankful that He does. He doesn't want us all to be the same, but we know that our identity is wrapped up in Him, not a job, not a relationship, not some moment in time, not the past, not the present, not the future, but in who He is. A man is someone that's clear on that identity. I am in Christ. I am a believer, a follower of God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says it this way. I love this verse. Therefore, if uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the The Spirit. There's no condemnation. The old is gone. We are a new creation, as the book of 1 Corinthians says, as the Apostle Paul illuminates for us. We are in Christ. That's our identity. Men, stop identifying with your past, good or bad. Broken relationships or good relationships, things you used to be good at, things you used to have, things that you've lost along the way, something that's happened to you or something you've done that you're not proud of. Stop identifying with those things. And as you find your relationship in Christ, clarity will come to your identity, which will allow you to continue to move forward. A man is someone who's clear on their identity, but they're also clear on their purpose. I love this. (laughs) I would say that one of the key aspects of being a man is accepting responsibility for your actions. I am responsible for the things that I do, but I need to know my purpose if I'm going to be responsible. I'm clear on my purpose. What is my purpose as a man? It's not to continue to act like a child or to play games or to do the silly stuff that so many men do. We can have hobbies, but that's not our purpose. Revelation 4 and verse 11 tells us exactly why we're here. Thou art worthy, O Lord, the Bible says, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Our life, men, is wrapped up in honoring God. Do you live that way? A real man, a man who takes steps forward when it would be easier to stay where you are and die, is the kind of man that understands. My purpose is to live for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians again, 10, verse 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. A man is someone that is clear on their identity. I am in Christ, a child of God. And they're clear on their purpose. Not only am I in Christ, but I live for Him For God, my purpose is glorifying God and doing whatever I do for him. Let's say, finally, a man is someone who is resolved to push forward with that identity and in that purpose. When you know who you are and you know why you're here, Whether or not you should move forward is no longer a question. A man is someone that recognizes I am in Christ, and if I'm in Christ, I live for God. And if I live for God, then trials and traumas and difficulties and obstacles, they may present themselves. But as I live for God, fulfilling my purpose in Christ, I will continue to move forward. One of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, sum it all up. Here's what you need to do. Understanding who you are and why you're here, keep moving forward. Men, it's time for us to take responsibility for those around us, for the problems that we may experience It's time for us to realize that it's really not all about us. To find a settled heart in who we are, our identity. To understand our God-given purpose. And to be committed or resolved to move forward. Truly, that is march or die. You can decide to do this or not, but if you'll decide to allow God to work in you and through you, to fulfill the role that you are given by God. You'll be amazed at what can happen in your life and in the lives of those that God allows you to influence. We're going to talk about this more in the next couple of weeks, but I trust that this will be a help and an encouragement to you. Men, stand strong. Quit you like men. Be strong. Don't forget that in life, we only have two choices. We can stay where we are and die. We can make that decision if we'd like to, or we can march. What are you going to The love of God is immeasurable.